God awesome or not? Hey, hey, that's what I thought. I like that song, man. That gets me fired up. You ready to open up your Bibles? Let's turn to Exodus. Ooh. A little Old Testament on you right there. You're feeling it, Cody? Yeah, amen, bro. Sometimes those pages need to be a little more worn than they are, if you know what I'm saying. All right. You don't have an unbalanced spiritual diet now. Only eating from the New Testament, right? That Old Testament got a lot of good stuff in it. Before we dive into our, our Bible study, I did, I did want to share something with you that in the spirit of just communication I, that I think is helpful uh, for all of you. Um, we, um, some of us, we just got back from a uh, Southeast Leadership uh, Conference up in uh, North Carolina. And uh, that's, that comprises churches, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama. Uh, so we were all, you know, all coming together. We had a great, great time of fellowship. And I think it's helpful for y'all to know when, when we come together as church leaders, just trying to learn from one another. We had uh, our, our speaker, we actually had Todd Assad and his wife Patty come out uh, from the Dallas-Fort Worth Church. And uh, they were the ones that kind of uh, gave uh, a lot of the keynote messages. But it was really encouraging to, to see some old friends. I got, my roommate was Sydney Dockery from Jackson, Mississippi. So that was great to hang out with Sydney. And the church is, is doing well. You know, they've had a couple people move to Jackson. And uh, they, they had a baptism recently, and so let's keep praying for that little small church in Jackson that just keep trying to make it happen. So, um, but it was good to meet the new couple leading the church in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, it's good to see some old faces. Got to have lunch with the Ivies. It was a good time. It was good. You know, Anton, he liked to kind of pat me on my head. I just feel all encouraged, you know, just to see, to see my old friend Anton. And I uh, also got to see my buddy John Sherwood. And uh, next Sunday, I'm not going to be here because I'm going to drive up to Columbia, South Carolina, because John Sherwood is going to be appointed an evangelist next Sunday morning. So I'm fired up about that. Um, and uh, again, I just think it's helpful for you guys to realize the connectivity that we have in our relationships. And uh, even locally, I think I shared this with the Edge. I think it's helpful for you all to know. You know, Tom and I, we had lunch with Ben and Tino. Uh, we've had a lunch with them like two or three, two times, I think, in the last month, just connecting, you know, talking with our brothers, having a great time, breaking bread with one another, talking about what we can do together. You know, we're all one church, man. We're one family. You know, we're connected. We're friends. And I think it's helpful for you to understand that and to know, but you would never know if we don't communicate these types of things. So, amen, there you go. It has nothing to do with the sermon per se, uh, but hopefully it can give you some encouragement. So, um, so we're going to look in, in Exodus uh, today. The reason is, is because that's what I've been reading in my personal life of late. Have you ever got in a, in a time in your, in your spiritual life where sometimes you don't necessarily know what exactly to read in the Bible? And um, you, you, know, you know it's all good, but you don't, you don't know what to read perhaps. And, or sometimes maybe you're just not, not feeling it. You don't even know what it is, but you're just, something's not where you want it to be spiritually. Uh, you know it involves prayer somehow and some reading of the scripture and connecting with other brothers. and so You know that's in there, but for whatever reason, it's just that you don't, you're not getting traction in your own life. Uh, sometimes we can, we can go to those places. And I, I, I've recently, I, I've read Colossians earlier in the year, and it really helped me. Recently did a study in Titus that really helped me. And, but I was kind of wondering, what, what do I need? I don't know. 
And it just occurred to me, I was reminded of something Steve Brand once said. Uh, he was talking about just, uh, he made the, the analogy that sometimes physically when you have something wrong with you, the doctor will say you need, you know, massive doses of some medicine, you know. And he was saying sometimes spiritually we need massive doses of scripture to help us uh, grow spiritually. And uh, so I, I just like, man, you know, I'm gonna, I want to read the Bible. I want to kind of push it a little bit, kind of really go for it. I, I feel like that's what I need. I need massive doses of scripture. And so I just found one of these 90-day uh, Bible, uh, read the Bible in 90 days plan. And, uh, and so I'm on it. And I'm fired up. I read Leviticus. And I was still fired up. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And when I finished my chapter, I checked where I made it through that. I was ready. Uh, and so I am, uh, I'm, all, I'm up in numbers. I'm rolling. But I did. I, I read Exodus recently. And after Tom's message last week, which was so helpful to me, I thought it was a great message. And if you weren't here, just go online, uh, nrcoc.org, and, and look at his message. It was, it was about love talked about love really above all else we got to remember it's all about love we got to love each other deeply right from the heart I mean we got to love and he spent a lot of time in first Corinthians 13 just you know love is patient love is kind we it was great a great message I just think sometimes in life just like our car alignment we just get a little off and we need messages like Tom's last week to kind of get us back on track and remember what we need to be doing and that was very helpful to to hear, just to be reminded about, we got to be patient with people, right? That's sometimes the hardest thing to do for us, isn't it? To, that, to love someone, it, to love someone, really, it does take some patience, some long suffering, and hopefully, we can remember the patience God has shown to us. To motivate and fuel us to be patient with one another. It is when we forget how patient God has been with us, we lack patience with each other and we become self righteous or rude and just treat one another in a way that's not righteous and holy. And so I, I was reminded of that as I was reading uh, this part in Exodus. And I, I, I do appreciate, and what I want to look at today is quite honestly, I just want to look at kind of Moses' heart, and I also want to look at God's heart and, and, and the interplay between the two, uh, because I, I found it helpful to me as I understand how patient God is with us, uh, but also I think Moses kind of inspires me that, you know what, we can be as close to God as we really want to be. If we're willing, if we're willing we can be as close to God as we really want to be, and I, I like that interplay, and I, I would just like to share a little bit in the time that we have this morning from Exodus. So let's, let's uh, go to God in prayer. Uh, Father, I am uh, grateful to you to be able to wake up every morning and, and read your word. It, it's powerful. I'm grateful for your Holy Spirit that I believe really helps your word kind of come to life in our hearts and our behavior. And um, I'm grateful, Father, that you are a God who, who does not look away that you see us in our plight, and you're willing to stoop down to make us great. And Father, I pray that this morning, 
as we look at the scriptures that, that we're humble. I pray for humility, that well, we accept uh, what you're trying to teach us. And Father, I do pray that we never take these times for granted where we're able to meet in a peaceful setting like this to be able to openly discuss your nature and your attributes and your power and your name and sing songs to you and about you. Uh, we're grateful for Jesus. He's the fullest expression of your love and how patient you are with us and what you're willing to do to help us get close to you. But Father, we don't want you to be the one that's only wanting to be close. I pray that our hearts are wanting and yearning to be close to you because you deserve that, Father. Uh, you, you are worthy of praise. You're worthy of our devotion. And uh, God, I just pray that today can just be uh, another day where we get some spiritual feeding that just helps us get closer to you. And uh, use this time. pray your Holy Spirit is powerful among us. And I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Uh, so just to, to summarize, because some of you are very familiar with the scripture. Some of you are visiting, and some of you maybe aren't very familiar. And uh, I think it's helpful sometimes to just not assume everybody knows what's going on when you open up a <laughs> part of the Bible. Uh, but we're going to open it up at a, at a part of the Bible where we've already seen God's people have been oppressed in Egypt. They have grown to great numbers, and uh, God has found a man that he wants to use. This man's name is Moses. He wants to use Moses to get his people out of that oppression because God heard their cries. And so Moses reluctantly uh, decides he's, he's going to do it. And uh, God actually helps him by really showing uh, Pharaoh and, and the Egyptian leadership in that nation his power. And really he, he had to send them plagues and just to wake them up uh, to help them realize who he was. And uh, finally, he uh, gets uh, Moses is able to get the people out of Egypt. God allows the, the Red Sea to part. Israel walks through on dry land, and the uh, Pharaoh and his army are washed away. The people are excited. They're cheering for like five minutes, and then they start complaining and arguing and talking about how evil God is and how Moses is a terrible leader. And so there begins God's people, right? You know, quick to forget their deliverance. Uh, from all that they were dealing with. Um, and, but God provides for them, even though they're a bunch of complainers. God provides for them water, gives them things to eat, takes care of them, and uh, then decides, I'm going to teach them how to live. I'm going I'm to give them ways to, to live that, that, that are pleasing to me. They've been living in a foreign land, learning all kind of crazy stuff. I'm going to tell them how to live the right way. And so he literally writes it down on some tablets, and he's going to send Moses down there to teach the people, you know what, don't worship any other gods, don't make any idols, and don't, don't do any stuff like that. So he's writing it down for Moses to send down to the people. Meanwhile, the people are doing all the stuff he told them not to do. They're making golden calves. They're worshiping it. Uh, it's terrible. So Moses gets down. He sees what's going on. He gets mad, and he breaks the tablets in anger, uh, which kind of is a really a symbol of what Israel had done to their covenant with God. They had broken it. And those tablets with the Ten Commandments that we know just were broken. And it was not good. Moses was not happy. God was not happy. Uh, and it was an ugly scene. And so we're picking it up where it's kind of, it's not, it's not in a good situation. Um, you know, the, the people have really sinned against God. And now God just said, you know, he just said, he's like, look, 
I'm, I'm a good God. I'm going to hold my word. You guys can make it to the promised land. But you on your own because I ain't going with you guys because I might destroy you on the way. So <laughs> y'all can just go on, uh, enjoy. I'll take care of it for you, but I'm, I'm not going with y'all. All right. And so Mo, and the people heard that and, they, and then they, they, they ooh, we, we really messed up. We have messed up. And so they start trying to repent like, wow, God is like, he doesn't even want to go with us. This is not good. And so that's kind of where we're picking it up. Things, things have been broken in the relationship uh, between God and his people. And, and, and so we're going to pick it up here in uh, chapter 33 and in verse 7. It says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And when I was reading this and just even researching and trying to understand it more, God had given Moses a lot of instruction on what to do, what to build, and how to do it. But this specific action, it seems that Moses kind of takes it upon himself to take this tent outside the camp. And, I, and it seems as though he realized this was a crucial time in the relationship between God's people and God. Things had been broken, and this was, he, he, so he kind of took the initiative. I'm going to take this tent and I'm going to meet with God. I'm going to, and, and, but and notice the direction that says, it says it's outside the camp, some distance away. Okay, so Moses takes his tent out there, and he, and then it says, notice it says anyone could come. Anyone could come to this tent of meeting and inquire of the Lord. You know, but it's interesting when you read this, the only person that's really there, the only people are Moses and Joshua. The people seem to be okay with, as long as Moses is there, I'm good. We can worship, but I'll just worship here at my tent. I'm not going to take that time to go the distance away from camp to be close to where God's presence is. And, and, and I hope that's not who we are. I hope, that, I hope that in this room, we can have the heart of a Moses and a Joshua, that we want to be close to the presence of God instead of just accepting it accepting from a distance. Well, there are a few people that are worshiping God really closely, and I'll worship too, but I'm going to stay close to my own tent. And, and I hope that that's not our hearts here in our congregation. And luckily, those scriptures don't necessarily condemn the people for worshiping. That's a good thing that they did. But there's also a reason I think that we see that Joshua never would leave the tent. He never would leave the tent. He wanted to be close to God. And like I said, I really believe we can be as close to God as we really want to be. But why are we often unwilling to be inconvenienced to be with God? What is it? I know you're busy. Dude, come on. We're always, everybody's busy. But we need to, we need to, 
fight to be close to God. It takes effort sometimes not to earn anything from God. Notice I say that. You're not earning anything, but hopefully you want to be close to God. But stop thinking that everything's got to be convenient for you. Stop being transformed by the culture we live in. Sometimes you've got to leave your tent, go outside the camp, walk, get sweaty and dirty to meet with your God, to connect with God. Instead of being so close, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Man, I don't want to worship God. Whew, that was, it's hot out, so let me get back in the tent. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I, I saw a young woman last night. She's a, sing, uh, no, a young family's mother, uh, and uh, her and her husband, great people, and she worked hard on VBS, like all the decorations, I mean, making it look awesome. And uh, we were just in the course of conversation, uh, and... Uh, you know, she was like, yeah, I'm not going to go to VBS like every second. Of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit. I mean, I served a lot to volunteer to help the decorations. And she said, you know, I'm going to take that time while my kids are being taken care of, taught about the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to go up to the mountain, Kennesaw Mountain. I'm going to have some quiet times with God. I appreciated that. This is a tired mom, I'm sure. Running around with two kids, I think like six and four or something like that. You know, like, you know that is not easy. And she's volunteered. I mean, I appreciate it. So, you know what? That takes time. You got to get in your car. You got to drive. You got to climb up, the, right? But I appreciate that heart. Have you lost that heart? Did you once have it, but you haven't had it in a while? Are you using the I'm too busy excuse? No, let's stop that. There's no need for that. God is awesome. You just sang about it. Well, do whatever you got to do to get close to him. Be inconvenienced. Go outside and be with your God. Let's be like Joshua. Can't even pull him away from that tent and the presence of God. Amen? In verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Well, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, well, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? This is another great principle that I, I think we've got to fight for. I think we've got to fight to be distinguishable from the rest of the people in this world. In this world. You know what I'm saying? I think we've got to be okay with being distinguished, being different. Sometimes following the Lord is going to seem crazy to people. Sometimes the decisions you make will actually bring on a level of ridicule, maybe even laughter at times. Why do we need to like that? Let's actually get good at that. Let's get good at being so distinguished from the world that we actually can help people go, man, you are different. Wow. What in the world are you thinking? You're not going to have sex with your girlfriend before you get married? You're ridiculous, man. What kind of man are you? Oh, you're probably not a real man. You know, what's up with that? Hey, bro, I appreciate you saying that, bro. Let me tell you something. I am a real man. I follow the best man ever was. 
and this is the way he treated women. That's exactly the way I'm going to treat them. And you can probably learn a couple things if you follow the way I do it, bro. See, that's what you got to learn how to tell people. You got to learn how to tell it to them like that. In the moment. Be grateful for being distinguished, right? And it's not because of your personality. It's because of the presence of God. That's what Moses is saying. We're, we're just people. We're, we're people. If your presence is not with us, we're just like everybody else. You've got to think that way when you wake up in the morning. When that alarm clock goes off, you need to wake up and say, How is I want your presence with me, God. When I go out to, that, to my cubicle, I want to be different. Help people to see that my lifestyle is distinguished from the rest of this world. And Lord, help me not to cower from being different, even if it brings on ridicule from this world. I appreciate Moses right here. You know what, God, we don't want to just be a people. We don't want people to go, wow, look at all those people. We want people to know, we don't want them to know that you're with us. Man, I hope we can have that attitude every time we leave our house. Don't send me up out of this house if your presence is not with me today, God. I don't want to go anywhere. If people can't see you in me, I don't even want to leave. I don't even want to leave my house. Because I want people to see you, God, in me. And hopefully respond to you. That's what, man, I appreciate the heart of Moses right here. Because it's not just about Moses being built up as a leader. He wants the presence of God. And I appreciate God saying, hey, my presence or my face, same word, uh, will go with you. And I will give you rest. And then in verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, well, now show me your glory. This is one of my favorite moments in Scripture. Because you, you, it's almost kind of like, you know, Abraham earlier, you know, he just kind of keeps pressing God. What about 10 people? What about, I mean, he's just pressing the issue. God, I want to be close. He wants to, he, put, he puts the 10 out there. I want to meet with you. Then after that, I, I want your, your presence to be with us. I mean, he's just pressing. I, I want closeness with you, God. And then he says, God, show me your glory. And this word glory, it, it means so many different things. But just think of the weightiness, the substance. I want the fullness of who you are. I want all the collective of your attributes, all of what you are and who you are. The, again, it's, it's a word that talks about weight. You know, one day the, the whole earth will be filled with the weight and the substance and the significance of God. Show me all who you are, God. What a moment. I mean, that should be our heart's desire as well. To yearn because this world doesn't have substance without God. Really? It's, an, it's actually an empty existence without God. It's hard to see the significance of things, I think, without God. Show me your glory, God. Show me everything of who you are. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. I appreciate that, right? We can be as close as we want to be, right? But then at some point you go, wow, God is not us. We are not God. He is way above us. And don't get all confused. I thought he just said that he talked to him face to face. Now he said he can't see his face. There's a... 
The Bible has got so many of these moments that don't, they don't add up, man. And I think just so you know, again, when he says face to face, God spoke to Moses face to face like with a man. Then later it says, I want your presence to go with me. That word is the same as face, presence. God is, even when it says God's hands or God's face, God doesn't necessarily have hands and face, but it's a way that we can relate to him and who he is. And so God's presence was manifest in a way to Moses to where he could speak to him. But you cannot, we can't behold the full glory of God. No more than you can look at the sun for more than three or four seconds. I mean, you just start doing all this kind of stuff, and that thing's 93 million miles away. You know what I mean? You think you're going to sit there in front of the full weight of God? Forget about it. Not going to happen. Right? And so I appreciate your, clo- your desire to be close to me. This is a great moment. I love you, Moses, but I, you can't see all of my glory. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. But I will let a, some of my goodness, my goodness pass by. Then the Lord said, you know, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back but my face must not be seen. And it's somewhat like the afterglow, so to speak. That's the only thing that Moses was really allowed to see. But in in verse 34, look what God says. He says, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. (laughs) I appreciate that little... (laughs) You know, those tablets, you broke, you remember? He didn't really keep a record of wrongs. I think he was just joking with his boy, right? He was having some fun with it. But to me, this is even significant. Remember when we started off, things were not in a good place with God and his people. It was not good. We didn't know which way it was going to go, right? But look at, the, look at Joshua, look at Moses clinging to God, fighting to be close to God. And, and here it's like God is just saying, I'm still willing to be in a covenant relationship with you. I'm still willing. I'll do, let's, start, let's do it again. Let's start over. And to me, that's long-suffering. To me, that's the patience that God has with people. Because the people are just so uh, frustrated. And, that, and to me, that's even another reason why these scriptures, you can have so much trust that they're really true. What group of people would actually want to record all of this stuff about themselves. You know what I mean? If it weren't true. And, and, and you know, the Israelites, they still read this stuff, right? They, they, they go every year, they reread, they rehearse all of this over and over again. Who would want to be cast in this light all the time? Grumbling, complaining, right? You, to me, that helps me believe this is true. Because most of us, if we, got, if we knew that this stuff about us was somewhere, we'd want it stricken from the record, you know? Buried, never to be seen again. But this, is the, this is who they are. But God still, even after all of what they've done, he still says, okay, I'll give, you, I'll give them to you again. Wow, the patience of God. The patience of God. 
So be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first one and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded. And he carried those two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Absolutely. Praise God that that is who he is. But when you think about this moment, Think about all the things God could have said. Think about, I mean, he could have said, just, okay, you want to know what my nature is? The Lord, the Lord, sovereign, omnipotent. Right? He could have easily said stuff like that. I run everything. I'm the most powerful being there is. I mean, he could, why not, why not, why not say that stuff? He had every, it's true, it's true about him. I mean, there are many facets of God's nature. Why choose, why choose these? When he could have chosen the, 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 pow, I mean, the powerful ones. That should tell you something about God right there. These are the things that he really wants to be known by. First and foremost, compa compassionate. Some translations might say merciful. And the root word for this means womb, like a woman's womb. I mean, like, that's the, that's the level of compassion that God has for people, right? Gracious, to yearn and long for is the root word. Wow, he, he yearns for a close relationship, and he's, he's gracious. Doesn't treat us as we deserve. Slow to anger. Wow. He's, wow, slow to anger. Brothers, do you struggle with this one? A lot of us do, right? A lot of us have that short fuse. Man, God's fuse long. He gets angry. But man, it takes him. He, he doesn't even want, he doesn't even seem like he doesn't even want to get angry. So he's slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love, some translations say loving kindness. And this is the big word in the Old Testament for kind of love for, of God is chesed. And I'm not going to keep doing that, but I'll just do the southern hesed, um, but that word is what it really is getting at, and it can be translated loving kindness, love, mercy, all kinds of different words, but you know what, you know what it gets at? It gets at this enduring, steadfast, ain't gonna quit, ain't gonna let up, not gonna turn away, that type of love, That's, and God, he's abounding in it, it knows no measure, he's never gonna, he's, he's, he's relentless, He's going to keep going after you. He's going to keep fighting. His love is, endures forever. His love endures forever. You can't stop it. Your sin, your wickedness, your rebellion, he's still coming. You can't stop the hesed of God. It's steadfast. It's firm. That's the way he treats us. That's who he is. That's his nature. This is who he wants to be known as. Last week, Tom reminded us, 
very in the New Testament, you're trying to describe God. God is love. I mean, God is love. In the Old Testament, this is the word used the most to describe chesed. This is who he is. Stop listening to the people that say the Old Testament God is really mean and wrathful. The New Testament God is really sweet and kind. That's not really accurate. It's not accurate. The hesed has been there the whole time. The God of Israel is a God who won't let, let up or, or give up. He will, he will love you forever despite, despite your wickedness. Man. Praise God for that. His faithfulness, because he's not fickle. He's gonna, he, if he makes a promise to you, he's going to keep it. He's not fickle. We're fickle. We are fickle. I didn't like two of the songs at church. I might not come back. I need to find another place. What? Are you serious? It can be deeper. It can be even it can be deeper. You know, God hasn't given me something that I really wanted. Or he took something away that I really liked. That gives me an out to get out of my relationship with God. You're fickle. I'm fickle. We are not loyal. We are not covenant keepers. We're covenant breakers. That's how we... We're, unfortunately, that's who we are. But God is not. He's faithful. He's loyal to his covenant. If he promised Abraham something, your descendants, Abraham's descendants start acting crazy, he'll just say, oh, man, you know... I promised Abraham, I'm not going to walk out on my commitment. We need to be people like that. Don't walk away from God. Don't walk out on God. We don't deserve anything. You, you don't deserve anything. Did you just take a breath? Amen. You didn't deserve to take it. You should be grateful. You, yeah, you probably want more money. You want this. You want that. Hey, man, you weren't promised that. Let's be grateful for what we got. Amen. Don't walk out on your commitment to God. Right. Don't be fickle. Be faithful like God is. Amen. And let's show the world what that means and what that looks like. Amen. And he's forgiving. That means to lift up or to remove. That's what he does. He lifts up the, with guilt, sin. He's willing to lift it up, remove it. And let's get back to being relational with one another. That's, how, that's who God is. Of all the things he could have shared about himself, these are the things he shared. Because guess what? You need compassion. Right? You need it. You need someone to hear your cries and to act on it. That's what you need. I needed it. Right? Thankfully, we see these attributes of God that he says, right, in the Old Testament, we see them in spades, right, in Jesus. And what, what might be a great Bible study for you this week is to take these six, seven, whatever attributes and to do a Bible study this week and to see how Jesus fulfills all of these things. His compassion, his faithfulness, his steadfast love, his forgiveness. What a, what a great Bible study to take the, this self-revelation of God the Father, put it in to see if you can see it in Jesus. Because remember what happened. Jesus said he had a conversation and Philip was like, man, Jesus, if you could just show us the Father, if you could just show him to us. Remember what Jesus said? How, been, how long have I been with you, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
I, I am the expression of the Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious, abounding love. That's who I am. I'm giving you God the Father right here. And so what I want us to be grateful for is not just to receive this love from God and to receive this expression of who God is. Don't just take it in. Go share it with other people. Go live, go live this way in your context and bring people into a relationship with him because it starts with you fighting for that relationship with God. Be inconvenienced, whatever you need to do, but you can be as close to God as you want to be. Go outside the camp, do whatever it takes. Get in that tent and be in the presence of God. And don't just settle for being in his presence. Fight for a relationship. Claw, get closer. Show me something. Show me your ways. Teach me your ways. Show me your glory. I want to understand the full weight of who you are because when I leave, I want to be distinguished in this world. I want my life to matter. I want my life to have weight and meaning so that people can respond to you, God. That's how we need to be and show the world the love of God. Don't just soak it in for yourself. Give it away and let's help God change the world. Amen.